Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? We're not talking about playoffs, Scartelli. Scartelli is here with four downs in case the euphoria over the Patriots qualifying for the postseason is just a little bit too much for you. Scartelli hit us with four down. Thank you, Shinehead. Welcome back, everybody. I'm off the COVID list, and now it's time for the airing of grievances. It's like it's a Greek Orthodox Festivus, if that were actually a thing, which it isn't. Down one, Christian Wilkerson. Great job beating out all-world El Busto Nikhil Harry. How come you couldn't have done that two weeks ago and maybe made a difference in the Bills game or the Colts game, or better yet, both of those games? We could still have the number one seed. Probably why the kid was relegated back to the taxi squad or whatever the term is for whatever happens when they get sent down like they're Lou Merloni. <laughs> down two, Shawan Bentley. Nice tackle on J.C. Jackson after his interception dummy. Bad news. It doesn't count on the stat sheets like Ricky Davis shooting at his own basket to try and get the credit for the rebound and a triple-double. <laughs> Too bad. It was really good tackle from behind. A textbook wrap-up. New England should have tackled that well during December. Down three, that dopey Boston Globe entertainment writer that tried to get Belichick to discuss his New Year's resolutions. Twice. The Globe then got one of their stable of lady opinion writers to write about that. Congratulations, Globe, on a job done. And down four, Entitled Town, all of us, the regular weekday crew and the weekend guys for taking the week between Christmas and New Year's off from podcasting. What are we, the Sterling Cooper ad agency or public school teachers <laughs> or Greenwich Bill Simmons interning at the Herald? We tried to schedule a time to podcast, but it was too hard. Ah, <laughs> oh, my back. We have to be better. But uh, knowing how they do things down there in Miami, probably won't be a four-down segment next week. But here we go, back to your regularly scheduled rainbows and lollipops. Breaking down the fourth wall, Mike Irons cannot do be, be behind the back either. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. <laughs> We are back from the holiday break, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Happy New Year to everybody. So uh, the good and the bad of it, Mike, on Route 1, we had Buffalo 33, New England 21, J.C. Jackson. Uh, hold on to the damn ball. The Asante Samuel 2.0. That game may have been different. But the Patriots are back in the playoffs. They beat. They took care of business against a bad team at Gillette on Sunday, 50-10 to 10 over Jacksonville. Uh, what were your range of thoughts after the Buffalo game leading up to the, the stomping of Jacksonville? What was the last couple of weeks been, been like for you? Uh, yeah. So the, um, uh, this is, must be the seven to nine portion of the three to five, seven to nine, uh, hours for, for the late Nikhil Harry. <laughs> Thank God. Um, you know, I, 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 the Jacksonville game did a lot to, to, um, make me feel better. Uh, but I still really haven't recovered fully from the Buffalo loss. It was just, to come out like that at home I, that was <laughs> that sucked and you know harry's effort on that um on that uh on the interception just the the kind of tapping it up in the air and uh, then on the ensuing return that <laughs> i've been thinking about that uh 
for, for you know certainly the week between the Buffalo and uh, the Buffalo game. But you know we I think we buried the ball now and burned the tape. But um, you know Iron, I told you I think after the after the Buffalo game, my takeaway was that you know Mac isn't your your best player right now. He's probably your most important player. But I think next year he's going to be your your best player. And so I want to see I, I, if they're to go far in the playoffs. I think he's going to have to carry a lot on that arm because they're going to take away what they did bet, what they do best, you know, and that's pound the ball at you. And that's what the good teams are going to try to do. So um, it doesn't mean going away from who you are up front as a team, I don't think, and being that physical team, but uh, to that end, they only started out one drive uh, against Jacksonville with, with a, a, a run. And that was the one yard drive off the Duggar pick. So it, I think it just means stepping on the gas a bit more and putting a bit more on Mac. And um, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think it's correlated. Oh, you know, they, they, if they, if they had started out running the ball each drive, they, they still would have won 50 to 10, but I, I just right. like kind of seeing that aggressiveness and in, in putting the ball in the hands of the guy who I think is going to be, have to be the one to carry them. You know, if they, if they do go far, he's going to have to play really good football. Um, so uh, uh, that's kind of my takeaway. So I, I'm a big believer in, in crappy tea. You got to, stomp crappy teams and that can be a launching pad for future success so uh that that consider a success uh, on sunday yeah i'm not sure i agree with your point about mac need to be their best player i think it's an interesting point however uh dan your thoughts on the the past couple of weeks so with the buffalo game through the 20 years we've we've seen what it is that teams can do to beat the Patriots. You know, there's always like a formula to it. You had, they were always trying to make a, a team be patient. And that's exactly what Buffalo did. They, uh, between Allen and, and Brian Dayball, they took what the Patriots gave them. They, you had the third receiver there, McKenzie. Yes. Having a monster day. Um, they, it was the perfect formula for how you beat the Patriots. So, yeah, I'd like to bury that one as well. But kudos to them for doing exactly what you have to do to beat the Patriots. Yeah, the, um, the game plan was a little bit passive against Buff. The defensive game plan seemed a bit passive to me, to your point. Yeah, well, yeah, that added to the fact that they, they just didn't show up for all those things. Yeah, but I don't want to be the one that says, oh, well, we beat ourselves. It, it was partly that, but also Buffalo really played the perfect kind of game to beat them. Um, can I add a, f- a fifth down to Scarcy's four downs? Of course, go ahead. For, for I'll allow it. The game. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, they've proved they haven't shown that they can play from behind. That's exactly the point I was going to make. They're so much better playing from ahead, and maybe that's a product of what Mike said. Is like maybe they're they're not coming out and being, uh, as Mike said, put the foot on the gas. John, what do you uh, your thoughts over the past couple of weeks and? Uh, you know, what Mike said about putting more on Mac and, and putting the hammer down. Yeah. The, going back to the Buffalo game, they were a JC Jackson dropped interception on, I believe the first play of Buffalo's uh, touchdown drive in the fourth quarter there Yeah, down 26, 21. Correct. Yeah. And, and JC Jackson makes that catch. It's an entirely different game to the point of they played a passive game on defense. You know, I think that that's the game they're going to play against Buffalo. They are going to make Buffalo drive the field slowly and and force Josh Allen into mistakes. He made the mistake. J.C. Allen didn't catch it. The following week, this past week, they play Atlanta. Josh Allen's 11 for 26 with three picks, right? Yep. Against Atlanta, against Dean Pease's defense, right? Mighty Dean Pease is in his defense. His quarterback rating for the game was 17. That's That's who Josh Allen can be. 
right? The Patriots can make that Josh Allen appear. He, and, he, and Josh you know, Allen can keep both teams in the game. I'd say that to yep. you all the time offline. Yep. So, so, you know, that game didn't go their way. They may get another bite at the apple with Buffalo. We'll see if, you know, Josh Allen throws those picks and, and this time they get caught, right? As for the Jags, I mean, it's exactly what you guys were talking about. You blow out bad teams. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You play who's on the schedule. Uh, they, they've got such a balanced offense playing from ahead, as you said, you know, Stevenson, 19 carries for 107. Damian Harris was running the ball well before he went out. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is so terrific in the running game. Uh, you know, he's, he's averaging somewhere around 8, 10, car- 10 yards a carry. Uh, and he gets, seems like he gets the ball in his hand several times a game that way. So, you know, I just, I love what they're doing. Mac Jones had a great steady game um, onto the playoffs. Amen. Scarcy, um, your thoughts about the last couple of weeks, the Buffalo game leading into Jacksonville. Oh, it was there's no uh, there's no great mystery here. You're not going to in a division game. If you play bad, you're going to lose. There's so much familiarity yep. you get within within the division. You they get to play you twice. So if you show up, if you fail to show up in a timely manner, you, you're going to lose, and you deserve to lose. As for the uh, as for the Jacksonville game, that was I, I you know if, if I had a nickel for everyone who called it you know a get right game. <laughs> I'd have a stack of nickels probably, <laughs> but, and, and also, and anyone who's, uh, and, uh, you know, Wilkerson, I'd say he was a revelation, except if you were paying attention in preseason, he did a, he yeah. put together a nice, uh, a nice, uh, little preseason there. And he, and he also got a uh, start last year with the, with the squad before, you know, being, uh, brought back down to the, uh, the practice squad. So it's, it's nice. And he's, uh, they're going to they're going to you know use every uh, every trick in the book you know with regard to personnel to make sure that uh, make sure that everyone the you know the best uh, the best available uh, fifty three will be uh, will be ready you know forty five of those fifty three be ready on game day. Amen. And going back to the Buffalo game, uh, one of you guys mentioned Brian Dayball. That's the institutional knowledge that Mike at Unroot One and I have talked about on several occasions. Um, you know, taking what they're what they're given. And that's the, the, the game within the game of adjustments, it'll be really, I mean, playing Buffalo a third time of the year, not going to say I'm afraid of them, but that would certainly be, in the words of Ben Volan, interesting. Um, Dan, last night, uh, the ESPN crew, the tongue bathing they gave Ben Roethlisberger, that is nightclub bathroom enthusiast Ben Roethlisberger. Although if you, if you actually Google Ben Roethlisberger, that's way down the list of what's going on. Twice accused of sexual assault the ESPN team um, cited Roethlisberger's multiple credible rape accusations as, quote, he was young, he made mistakes, the city forgave him and will always love him. Is, it, is this a heartwarming story? I mean, what the hell? What are we doing here? Completely glossed over. So according to ESPN, just some youthful indiscretion, uh, uh, just a lark. You know, it's like the old saying, boys will be serial rapists. <laughs> Mike, you Mike, you watched the game last night. I mean, I was sat there with my mouth agape. I mean, what what the hell's going on? Yeah, it's you know, anytime you can uh, give a guy with only what fifty eight fewer uh, credible rape allegations than Bill Cosby a tongue bath on national television, you have to do it. It it, it really it really is insane. The the guy can throw a football well, so he gets a pass where. Uh, the rest of society has seemingly uh, rightly, I think, in my opinion, uh, canceled people who are accused of uh, 
you know, uh, of untoward sexual acts, certainly. Uh, it's just really bizarre. Uh, how, how is this? How is he? How is he skated on this just because it was prior to me, too? Like, well, those other guys aren't, you know, we're not. I just it's really it's really crazy. What a, what an embarrassing uh, performance that was. And again, I, I go back, I, you know, I hate maybe now it will be different with Brady in Tampa because he does seem to get the non-Patriots pass now more so than, than he has. Absolutely. Previously. But can you imagine like Tom Brady and, and, and you, know, you have to make bargains as, as a sports fan, right? Do I sit here and think about the 80s Celtics and think about, uh, you know, Chief and DJ, uh, <laughs> you know, pulling knives and, 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 and punching their wives around? No, I don't. But OK, I, that's, you know, so that's that's a trade off I make, um, you know, but can I root for Tyreek Hill or Adrian Peterson? Zero percent chance. There's no chance. And yeah. look, you know, I tweeted half in Jeff's last night. You get one credible rape, rape accusation. You're, you know, you're, it could be someone making it, making things up. You get two, you're either the president or you're the quarterback of the Steelers, but it's just like, <laughs> come on, man. Like what, what are we doing? Like that's, that's a, kind of a serious thing. And, and to gloss over it, like he was, uh, you know, smoking weed um, and, or, you know, got popped for, for a DUI or something as you, it's just crazy. It, it is. And, what adds more to the absurdity? I mean, it's absurd in and of itself, the, the glossing over the rape accusations. He had 46 pass attempts for 123 yards. And I can't decide, John, between a Reggie Dupard joke or a Marion Butts joke with that kind of production. Uh, what were your feelings watching the game last night or watching the reaction afterwards? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all been said on the on the you know the rape out the rape stuff in his past. The the who he is as a player now. I mean, God, the Steelers are in dire straits. I don't know what their quarterback situation is. They're kind of in the same sort of, actually the same sort of limbo the Patriots were in where they've got kind of a mid-tier record and no clear quarterback situation uh, going forward. So it'll, I guess it'll be, to use a Ben Fullen word, interesting what they do uh, in the draft and free agency. But it's been obvious that Roethlisberger has been done for a while. He can't move. Um, he's just getting you know hit back there. Uh, repeatedly, which is probably just and fair considering his past. So uh, maybe it all comes around. I don't know. The, the, the Steelers, you know, good luck. Good luck in the twilight of their franchise. And Mike Tomlin cracking me up, by the way, talk about AFC North football between the win against the Browns and the Ravens. I mean, what is, what is AFC North football? Is that like, is that some trademark term of, of, you know, eight and eight teams or you know what what what, what is that uh, fake tough football mediocrity uh, yeah it's it's just i mean the 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 bengals are the kings of that uh of that division at the moment so you know afc north football i think is uh kind of a uh, about it's got about as much relevance as ben roethlisberger mvp i know that scartsy's gonna appreciate this scartsy the afc afc north as bert breer said is a dark place just like the nightclub bathroom. So what what are your thoughts on the, the rapist burger tongue bath you received from ESPN last night? Well, let's remember, he is not Roethlisberger. He's just good old Ben. <laughs> just, just first name, you know, like they're, you know, old pals from, you know, kindly days kind of stuff, Ben. He had, what, uh, one touchdown pass, one interception, and one running back that ran for 180 yards. Oh, yeah, congratulations, Ben. Great game by you. But it... This is, but this is Pittsburgh. Be, let's not forget that they, uh, they managed to gloss over a uh, football player shooting at police helicopters. You can look this up. I'm not making this up. 
as the saying goes. So Ben should stay away from helicopters is where I'm going with this. I have three words that describe everything. Sainted, Rooney, family. That's a, a big reason why all of that gets washed over. Um, Mike, John Madden passed last week. There was some serious performative mourning going on, on on the Twitter machine. Again, it's just really embarrassing. You know, Birdie, of course, managed to make it about himself and the other, the other members of the media falling over themselves. It is it is, it is laughable. It's, it's, it's content for us, but I mean, there's just so the performative act part of it is is it's honestly it's embarrassing yeah the um you know every time these situations come up i do find myself asking the question you know the the proverbial are we the baddies (laughs) (laughs) probably we are yes but also i think we're kind of right because look there's something nice about wanting to remember people and and putting our the best possible spin on their their existence. Uh, Madden was great. Madden was terrific. Past. And I don't think it's an understatement to say he is the best color man in the history of the league, uh, worked with the best play-by-play man in the history of the league. Right. And look, the top guys in the history of the league to me are like, you know, Lombardi, Hallis, Roselle, uh, Paul Brown, Landry, Belichick, Sable, Madden. Oh, that, that's my list. That, that, that's it. it there's maybe there's somebody else, but that to me is like, that's it. And Madden is in Great there. Um, he is, he is just, he was awesome, but man, reel it in and don't make it about yourself. And I think that's to me, that's the, the gross part. Like absolutely is, is making it about yourself. And that's, of course, that's what Burke did. That was that paid, you know, zero, zero dollars. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but he was great. But again, just reel it in a little bit. We don't need to like tr- completely overstate things. Um, but, you know, that's that's what we do. But that that's who we are. And that's what that's what Twitter is for, I guess. So um, maybe we're the curmudgeons. Uh, almost certainly. But I do love the fact that Madden and Summerall's last game that they did together was Super Bowl 36. And it's right down the pipe. And all of us probably lost our minds after that. Dan, your thoughts on the uh, the the media perform the performative you know dancing um, for the Twitter machine? Well, just what Mike was saying. They they all find a way to make it, try to make it about themselves. And the truth is, their stories aren't very profound. They don't have shared experiences. But then you look at how Belichick remembered him, who actually has shared experiences mm-hmm. with Madden, and he's still making it about the guy. You know, it's he, he was a he was a great coach, and he was a great uh, broadcaster. I, I don't really understand how the video game figures into so prominently in his legacy. I mean, he put his name on on a game. He didn't design it. He didn't program it. I realize that's kind of the entryway for a for a generation into the game, but it shouldn't figure as prominently as what he actually achieved. Um, and, and he was also a great ambassador for the game. I mean, that's that's how yes. I like to think of him. That's a good point, Scartelli. Did you? Did it strike you odd the uh, the falling over themselves to to grieve over the loss of a a man who was eighty five years old? The, the 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 number of people that were you know trying to unlatch the coffin and climb in with him was very distasteful. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing to he was uh, he, it 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 certainly helped that the uh, that the all Madden documentary had come out you know just uh, just basically hours before before the uh the news of his death broke out and that was uh 
he was he was certainly at the the forefront of everyone's mind is what it comes down to no i agree that's it's it's a it's a really good point uh john wrap up uh, your thoughts on uh, the passing of madden and, and the uh, the reaction from the look at me's on social media yeah. instead of making it about me i'll make it about belichick and i'll circle back to dan's comments yes. i mean if if folks didn't hear what Belichick said in his press conference, he was asked about Madden at the very beginning, gave a, gave a nice solid answer. Then he was asked about Madden again at the end and went into some, some real, very thoughtful depth. Uh, I thought it was a real good question of kind of the follow-up. And he talked about, you know, Madden, how ahead of the curve he was on minority scouting, minority coaching, uh, very attentive to the rules, very willing to, you know, listen to other opinions and change Player his safety mind. too. Yes. I'm sorry. Player safety too. Player safety, yes, and and his willingness to change his mind when facts you know were presented to him, his open mindedness. I mean, you know, just kind of everything about you know the, the the way any of us would want to be talked about, you know, by by one of our contemporaries or one of our peers. You know, I just so Belichick's thoughtfulness and just just juxtaposed the way you know so many people view Belichick as surly and you know, I mean, when he gets good questions, when he reflects on the history of the league and. And to Mike on Route One's point, you know, real the the top, you know, Mount Rushmore type figures of the league. I mean, I could listen to Belichick talk about every single guy you mentioned, Mike. I could listen to Belichick talk for hours on those guys, right? I mean, what he could contribute, uh, just talking about those guys and their legacy. I would trust Bill Belichick's, you know, writing of history of the league more than I would trust anybody associated Absolutely. with the league. A thousand percent, a hundred percent agreed. Um, Belichick's the way he can put everything into context is unmatched. It's unparalleled. And he did a better job, you know, he did a better job explaining the impact that John Madden had on football and uh, broadcast football better than anyone who does that for a living, which, you know, frankly, isn't very surprising. I'm going to wind up Mike on route one, just let him go here. Wide receiver one, Mike, you don't have a wide receiver one. 90 seconds, no commercials. Were your thoughts on wide receiver one? Yeah, well, it was, you know, uh, to Dan's point, speaking about Madden, um, you know, it shouldn't be as big a part in his legacy, the the video game. But where I do think it, it has a corrosive effect is among fans. And this is we're seeing here with the WR1, yeah. which is not a thing. Of course, it's not a real position. Um, and the the fact is, you know, I guess this got started by Evan, Mr. Lazard. Yes. Um, and uh, it's, you know, the, no team. I think the only team from o, the only Super Patriot Super Bowl winner from 03 to 18 that had a, a thousand yard receiver um, on it would be the 14 team. Um, no, sorry, 16, 16 with Edelman. 16 with yes. Edelman is the only the only team. Uh, you know, 14 had you know, LaFell, both LaFell and Edelman were close um, in, in the 900 yard area, I think. And certainly some of those years have, have injuries guys, you know, Edelman in, in 18 only played 12 games and it was under a thousand branch, of course, in 14, uh, in 04 was, um, was under a thousand, but, you know, spent time injured. So I'm, I'm playing their game a little bit here. Um, but you know, I, I'm fighting, fighting this, this war on the uh, terms that they've dictated. So um, I, I really, I just, it's just, what have, have you learned nothing? And the answer is obviously, yes, we, we know that that's why we're here. I think um, why we're, why we're talking to each other is because they haven't learned anything. And what is it about this offense that makes you think that they aren't 
with improvement at the quarterback position, which I think will come, they aren't good. They don't have the running backs are outstanding. The tight ends are good, very good. And the receivers are really good. And it's, you know, I heard Zolek on the radio, you know, sniffing again, sniffing about, uh, about, about Aguilar and Bourne not being true, true. And Gasper was there too, sniffing about not being great, be, being true ones, whatever that means. The, the Patriots have won Super Bowls with worse, with lesser receiving cores than they have now. Certainly 01 and 03, I think, are less, uh, I think depth, depth wise, anyway. Um, That's it's certainly yeah. the tight ends in this team are now are better than the, what they had in 03 and 01. With uh, well, Ben Watson and his frying pan hands were in 2004. <laughs> Clank, <laughs> Clank, old friend Clank. Clank, Clank Watson. Dan, that was Dan, a you. That was a, that was an iron original. That that absolutely was. I, I guilty as charged, Your Honor. So, Dan, let me ask you a question. Tyree Kill, great receiver, right? Keenan Allen, great receiver. They're wide receiver ones in Madden parlance. What's easier? Bill Belichick has done time and again take away the other team's best receiving option. What's easier to take away one guy like that and then make the other guys like Isaiah McKenzie did beat the Patriots a couple weeks ago. You tip your cap to them. This is the, the Patriots. Brandon Bolden has 39 receptions. Kendrick Bourne has 52. Uh, let's see. Jacoby Myers has 79 for 796 yards. Hunter Henry has 45 receptions. They spread the ball out. I'm not sure you can key on any one guy, and that includes Harrison Stevenson. So I, the wide receiver, one thing, again, pull up, pull your seat up in the row of chairs. Um, it, it isn't a thing, as Mike Unruh once said. Right, Dan? Yeah, you answered your own question about which is easier to do. Um, there was a, something on Twitter that I saw Mike on route one responding to somebody was trying to make the, the wide receiver one, but he was using Patriot receivers as the example. They're saying, Oh, we need somebody that's uh, productive like Troy Brown or, <laughs> or, or uh, Welker or Edelman. And Mike came back to make the good point that, well, you know, all those guys weren't that at the beginning of their careers, they all right. developed. And this was in comparison to Jacoby Meyer. So I was looking for a comp and I was thinking, of the Patriots receivers who started with a bang. And we, we kind of look at uh, Dion Branch as somebody that right from the start, you could see that he had uh, electric. Yeah. And he, and he, and he had a good rapport with, with Brady, you know, it's, he was productive and over his first three years and Myers first three years, they both played with playoffs for, uh, for branch. They both played 45 games. Um, branch caught some more balls, but, Overall, it was it was a similar productivity. I mean, and a similar um, yards per reception. It was. I don't actually. I, I looking at some of this <laughs> branch with the playoffs added. Obviously, that that killer playoff uh, Super Bowl that kind of blows it out of the water. But yeah. prior to that, it was a similar comp. It was so you you have to see be able to have the patience to see that Myers is a developing thing. And they've got the complementary parts, just like you were saying. Yeah, I think that I think you can probably, John, I think you can make a comparison between Branch and Givens with Myers and Bourne. They complement each other fairly well. And, <laughs> you know, Bourne's a terrific runner. I, I'm all in on, on, on those two guys. Uh, your thoughts, John? Wide receiver one. Do you yeah. need one? Go. Yeah, we all, we all agree there's no such thing as wide receiver one. There's a, a balanced offense. And the Patriots have a very 
balanced offense that, you know, is, is going to look better even with the exact same crew coming back. And that may not be the case, but even with the exact same crew coming back, they'll be better next year just because Mac Jones has another year in the system. These wide receivers and tight ends have another year in the system. You know, folks are, are continuing to develop and get comfortable with one another, but you know, the, the, between the wide receiver one fetish and the Belichick doesn't have any drafted wide receivers doing anything fascination. It's, I, I just, I don't get it. Like fans, fans don't want to watch this sort of winning football. The Patriots are playing right now. They want to watch, you know, DK Metcalf running 50 yards down the field, catching Hail Marys from Russell Wilson. And yeah, DK Metcalf's a nice player and the Seahawks are irrelevant. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I, I just, I love the way in, you know, Mike, you and I have talked about this for many, many, many years, the, the running the football, controlling the clock, being more physical than the other team. I just love that. I love the way they're playing. And these guys, you know, they, they, this fits them and going back to the bills game, you know, what were they missing against the bills? I think people would scoff at this, but I think they were missing Aguilar, right? The Aguilar may not have that many receptions, but he's given them that dimension you know, down the field, that threat down the field that opens things up underneath, opens things up for the running game. They didn't respect anybody getting behind their safeties uh, in that Buffalo game. So with that, with a healthy Aguilar, you know, is he wide receiver one is, is, you know, whatever, you know, who cares, right? He's, he's an important part of the offense. The pieces fit and when they're healthy and, and, you know, and they're on the field together without a true wide receiver one, quote unquote, uh, they're they're plenty good enough to win some playoff games. Agreed. And you said it best. Wide receiver one, who cares? Um, quick confession, John, when you said that the Seahawks are irrelevant, it moved. I think <laughs> I think I think the the wide receiver room next year will be better just firing Nikhil Harry into the sun. This addition by I can't believe there. that you people are saying you would rather have three ponies than a thoroughbred. It's Ron, just unbelievable. What you need is a big, tall, strong, mentally unbalanced <laughs> wide receiver. That's how you win games. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Scartelli, that's why you are podcaster one in the Entitled Town Network. Um, you won. I'm going to recuse <laughs> myself from the next subject. Almost the coach, Greg Bedard. The, the man works hard for his subscriber. I got to give him that. Uh, this is some audio from the Felcher and Maserati show earlier today. Friend of the program, Transit Existence, uh, posted this on Twitter. I'll put it up on the account. Uh, Greg Bedard is so excited at the chance to troll Patriots fans. He didn't have a chance to check the date on the Chris Sims tweet, which was from June 23rd. Greg Bedard just finding this out today like your, like your, uh, your uncle posting something on Facebook three years after the fact. This is Greg Bedard today on the Felcher and Maserati show. So here is, here's Greg Bedard's email to us today, this morning on the list. Chris Sims just released his top 40 quarterbacks. Look at where Mac is, dot, 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 LOL, Patriots fans. Uh, Chris, Greg Bedard posted today that Chris Sims just released his top 40 quarterbacks list that had Mac Jones ranked 30th. But there are levels of absurdity there that I can't even begin I mean, again, great, great job, Greg, checking that out. Mike, uh, please, I'm recusing myself here. I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself a John Irons-like suspension. You guys carry the water on this. Uh, similarly, uh, on the advice of counsel, I would uh, certainly invoke my 
um, rights to uh, remain silent in this case. So I'll cede my time. Dan, go ahead. Well, I think it's heartwarming that we give some purpose in um, Greg's life and not to, you know, cover the Patriots and add some insight, but just to troll us as if, if that's what, if that's how he gets his kicks, so be it. Well, I am a hyper-local, wicked, uh, pisser, uh, chowder-chugging bean-eater, John. Uh, any thoughts on Bedard? Yeah, the, the business is negativity, and Greg is, you know, feeding at the trough uh, as, as much as anybody in the market. The idea that, like, I mean, it, it's ridiculous on multiple levels, but let me pick one that he would use Chris Sims as an authority. Like it's, it's Chris Sims's list, right? Like I don't give a shit where Chris Sims has Mac Jones. If Chris Sims puts Mac Jones first, it's still fuck Chris Sims, right? He's still fucking garbage, right? Like, I don't give a shit about his list. So the idea that like you would, you would troll Patriots fans with a Chris, I, I, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I mean, so, so pick your, pick your poison on, Bedard's pathetic attempt at trolling here and, and stirring people up on the radio. I'll just pick the the ridiculousness of using Chris Sims angle. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, our, our guy, Tranny's existence also said, um, how could he look at that list and not think it was weird? Cam Newton was 20 and Kellen Mond was ahead of Justin Fields. I would posit that Greg Bedard isn't paying to the NFL at all. Uh, he had already pre-ejaculated thinking of the attaboys from Felgi was the last comment there. Scartelli, uh, any thoughts on Bedard? I think we've given him more more airtime than he has in minutes than he has subscribers at this point, but go ahead. I believe that's uh, Chris Gasper's guy, Kellen Mond, that came in 37th yeah. on the list. That's right. That's oh, right. keep that one. We, we, keep we that haven't one forgotten. Mark. That's, you know, we're coming. Save that one, Renee. We're, we're, we we're, sa we're saving that one, Renee, to borrow a phrase. I believe we were promised no hot takes from Bedard, but we know that that's a lie. But how do you look at this and not go, not doing a tiny bit of due diligence sitting there in that, you know, messy room that may or may not contain a chicken where he does his podcasting from <laughs> for, you know, an audience of uh, the, the live feed thing where you see, you know, you know 12, 13, 15 uh, viewers. <laughs> it's, what is I laugh because viewers? otherwise I'd cry. 15 viewers. Is that the total since like week five? I mean, I, I'll take the under on that one, caller. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of couple of emails uh, going out. This is from our buddy, John, on Twitter. And I'll, I'll start with you, Mike, once again. Uh, he wants to hear our opinions of Barstool Sports and specifically Dave Portnoy. Uh, I would posit that Barstool is a refuge for the untalented and that Portnoy is, is the, uh, the figurehead uh, obviously he's the figurehead in chief. I just maybe we're not their demographic, but I mean, it's, it's kind of irrelevant to me. Yeah, that that's, I think you're right. It's, it, we're certainly out of their demographic ever in the demo. I'm like an old person and I've kind of been that way for a long time. I, even when I was like, you know, I guess I was re, you know, I, I forwarded the Bill Simmons columns when I was in my you know, early twenties. So maybe I would have been down with, the, with their kind of thing. Um, so I don't hate Portnoy. I think he's kind of good with what he does. Certainly. Well, the, the, the rape allegations are not in our rap, but whatever they are, but the, he's, he's like, he doesn't bother me. He hadn't bothered me up until the, uh, the Joe Rogan kind of turn on the, on vaccines and, and COVID and things like that. So that really puts a hair across my ass, but 
um, as a general thing, I, I just I, I do find I, I think it's kind of I'm the least woke person there is, but I do find it to be just uh, a culture that I'm not familiar with. So maybe, again, I'm just an old person and uh, it's it's not my thing. I, I don't think anyone there is particularly interesting uh, outside of my good friend Kirk, of course. But, um, you know, I, it, just, it just isn't anything that I'm interested in. I don't really pay attention to it. And uh, net net, I think it's uh, I don't think it's a positive um, force for good in the world, for sure. Scott Telly is our resident stoolie. What are your thoughts on Portnoy and uh, the barstool culture? Saturdays are for one bite or something. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I think it was awful, awful good of him to, uh, you know, fold, uh, fold the mini fans in so that they could, I could easily ignore them and the whole barstool experience all in one, you know, convenient package. Although I I've got to say, I do enjoy watching shows of people pretending to get upset about losing money gambling <laughs> or or maybe i don't maybe i'm lying it's hard to say they probably gamble less fake money than california bill and the cousin sal do <laughs> during the course of a week john do you, does bar still or bankroll boys that's oh the bankrupt oh. boys john do they do they register does the bar still thing even register at all with you yeah, so as I speak, picture the Clint Eastwood gif in Gran Torino. Okay, <laughs> I, I uh, think you're I think you're stepping on the weekend guys. The weekend guys are the ones that you know describe gifts, <laughs> and, and I love them for that. That's what, that I'm, needs to be a spot on the uh, on the bingo uh, card for them. So so demographically, <laughs> the weekend guys are are probably closer to that that demo yes, uh, yes. I, I'm with Mike on route one I feel I'm old and I feel even older um, you know I've I have taken my Twitter feed into and I'm I'm totally unabashed and honest about this uh, it is like Eastwood in Gran Torino I have so many accounts blocked right and it's because that Twitter account is my lawn and I don't want those guys <laughs> on me and I'm, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, right? And, and some people are like decidedly anti-block and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That feed is my lawn. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with those guys being off my lawn. All right, John does landscaping uh, on the daily. Uh, Dan, I, I would ask you about the barstool stuff, but I, I know what your answer is. So I'll just leave it there. I will ask you the second part of the question from John. I will start with you, Dan. Gronkowski cannot shut his goddamn mouth about how miserable he was towards the end of his Patriots experience most recently on the Tom Brady's documentary series, Man in the Arena. I, I, I'm over Gronkowski, great player. Shut the hell up. God, just the, the pissing and moaning is annoying. I can't stand the commercials. <laughs> oh, God, he's not funny. Oh, no, it's it's just embarrassing. It's It, it, it doesn't look good for him either, but... The, no, USAA, the USAA commercial... I mean, just it, it, that's an immediate like lunge for the remote. But I'm special. Yeah, you are, Mike. Any thoughts on the Gronkowski stuff? I I think you and I are in lockstep on this stuff. Uh, shockingly, yes, um, I I am in lockstep. But you know, uh, I was I was thinking um, back in December, I was at the uh, I was at the 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 Redskins game uh, in in 2011. It was the 10th anniversary of that this year. And that was, that's probably the best football play I've ever seen. And I will remember him, Pete Gronk, 2011, before the surgeries slowed him down a bit. Breaking 46 that's tackles a, and carrying. That's as, good, that's as good a football player as, as there's ever been that year, probably. 
but um, you know, he's a, just a total dummy who um, he's a total dummy. Who's good at catching a football and the contradictions that he continually puts out there, just, I, I don't need to hear that. And, you know, I, I'll say this, so I'll, I'll try to be positive here as a, as a, uh, in the moment resolution uh, for 2022. Uh, thank God for, for Julian Edelman, who is, has thus far, and I believe will probably remain a, a program guy, a guy who could take the shit that Bill puts on them and turn it into something. Uh, as, as they say, what, what is uh, Swayze saying? Red Dodd, turn it into something else. And that's what, that's what, that's what Edelman did. He took that shit that, that ran down, down to him and turned it into, you know, a, a hall of fame career. So thank God for Julian Edelman. Sounds like a vouch. Scartelli, uh, your thoughts on Gronk? Any thoughts on Gronk? Gronkowski retired from the Patriots and uh, that's all I heard about him. See you at the red jacket ceremony, right? John, uh, wrap up mm-hmm. thoughts on Gronk. You know, I will say he had a huge game uh, this weekend. So he's still a player, you know, watching, watching him and Brady connect. I still, you know, enjoy that as a fan of football. That's- um, who are you, but, God, but I will, I will say, uh, watching him at the end when Brady, I don't know if you saw Brady lead that drive at the end of that game to beat the jets, watching him get off the line. It was like watching him run through sand and, uh, you know, they were in desperation mode. So Brady kept throwing outside to the, to their WR one Cyril Grayson. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the, you know, watching Gronkowski get off the line. I mean, it, to, you know, the 2011, I'll always just picture Gronk delivering for the Patriots, you know, throwing, throwing Buffalo Bills out the club and, you know, doing things like that. The, the USAA ads, I watch more red zone um, than, than I watch actual games. So I don't see those ads as much. Maybe I can tolerate it because of that. Yeah, maybe oh, I'm I- throwing the yellow flag there. You're going stolen valor. You can't do that. <laughs> I will say, speaking of the Buccaneers, that game you mentioned, you know, Tommy bringing them back and kicking the Jets fans in the dicks one more time is certainly is, was enjoyable. But there is a certain level of a schadenfreude that I have that Tommy will be throwing the rest of the year to Tyler Johnson, Cyril Grayson, and uh, Brashad Perriman. So good luck with your weapons, Tommy. I, I hope we get a, a, a performance of emoting on Man in the Arena uh, wrapping up the 2021 Buck season. But, you know, I, listen, I've been there long enough. That I'll never count. Uh, you just can't count Brady out ever. So enough with that. Um, I'll lead off my final thoughts. And it really is. I mean, it, it's not even much of a final thought. There is not a more useless Twitter feed in the Twitterverse than that of Albert Breer. And I feel really, really bad. He is the Peter Griffin of national medias. When Ohio, when the Buckeyes beat the Utes in the Rose Bowl, Last week, he took a picture of his child saying he had to wake up his child for the Rose Bowl, which is a third, a second tier bowl during this bowl season. He's exhorting and taking a special picture with his boy after the Buckeyes beat the Utah Utes. Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? I still don't know. Uh, John, your final thought. Well, for me, I'll talk about a tweet that I put up that I was actually surprised at the response it got. I, I tweeted the other day, yesterday, I guess, um, you know, Bill Belichick has never led the Patriots to the playoffs without either Tom Brady or Mac Jones. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> we put stuff up like that uh, collectively as a group. And, you know, it's, it's obviously a little bit of an inside joke. It's sarcastic. I expect 15 or so people to get the joke and, and, you know, maybe get a handful <laughs> of likes. Right. Well, 
that tweet got 1,100 likes and counting. <laughs> and it, it frankly amazed me um, because I never quite know, like some tweets explode and, and, and most don't, why that one exploded. But my theory is a lot of people are in on the joke, right? We're not alone in on the joke and people are kind of sick of getting gaslit. And I don't know if it's, you know, just the gaslighting is so atrociously obvious and, and, you know, people are seeing through it or maybe with like, maybe there's something COVID and societal, you know, kind of at play here. They just, they're tired of the, the constant negativity and being lied to. But the fact that so many people responded and got the joke, right? They're in on the con, right? They're getting the fact that the point that I was trying to make in that tweet is that the media continues to lie to you and try to create these yes. false narratives of who is it, who is responsible for the Patriots success? Is it Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? We're going to discuss it on two to six for the next 27 weeks, right? Like, you know, nobody, nobody wants that anymore. It's a fucking so, circle jerk. It's a, it's in circle back to Bedard. Like, Bedard is is playing that game. It's yesterday's news. There is a market for people. There's a market for these guys to talk about the team in a good faith, positive sort of way, right? I think people want that. So Greg is living in the past of trolling the audience, dropping Chris Sims lists on people. And I think the market wants to be positive about this team. They want to be enthusiastic about the Mac Jones era. You know, they want to be enthusiastic about the playoffs and not have these idiots talk about the fact that, you know, the Patriots aren't going to win anything without a WR1. I mean, nobody nobody really wants that. That's my suspicion. So the fact that that single tweet just got that sort of response, I, I think there is a there is a vacuum in the market for that sort of, you know, consistent, uh, let's let's call it established media. I, I, you know, couldn't agree with you more. And to give ourselves some, I'm going to do the circle jerk with the guys here and the weekend guys. Scartelli's column, when, when the sports junk drawer is published on Wednesdays, it gets many more retweets, comments, likes, et cetera, than most traditional media outlets. And this podcast, the, the five of us dummies, you know, this podcast Twitter account has more followers than the, the WEEI's Patriots podcast. And I think that there is, you know, to your point, there is a a segment of the quote unquote market, and I and I hate to sound like a, an executive corporate douchebag, but th there is a segment that's underserved in this. Everything, so much of what's going out there is just W E, excuse me, W uh, ninety eight five, but dumber, and there's an inability to laugh and just the tr the trolling is tiresome. Uh, Scartelli, do you have a final thought? I do, and it's about uh, it's about uh, em embattled. Uh... New York football giants coach Joe Judge, who brought up uh, the fact that back when he was with the uh, 2018 Patriots, he was didn't feel that they were in a good place. And he said that, you know, in 2018, I was part of a team that halfway through the season, we were all pretty convinced we were getting fired. We didn't think we were going to make the playoffs, had no concept for anything that was coming, et cetera, et cetera. He was just talking about how, you know, sometimes things are bad and things can turn around. So, of course, the entire uh, New York and uh, New England football media turned on him talking about, what do you mean? Who is this we that Joe Judge is describing that thought they were getting fired? And, of course, you know that the 2018 Patriots did win the, uh, did win the Super Bowl, but they did start the season, you know, with uh, one win and two losses. Lost before going into the bye week, had a couple of, uh, couple of, you know, losses after the bye week, 
things that things that a uh, coach would remember, you know, I don't think yep. it's strange that a coach would remember the negative better than the positive, but of all people, Ben Volan comes in and has this tweet to say, judge may be playing loose with his words when he talks about the Pats coach getting fired. But in 2018, the entire Pats coaching staff was on expiring contracts and most didn't return in 2019. So there probably was a feeling during the season that they were all gone after the year. It just goes to show that uh, any number of things can happen during the, uh, during the NFL season, including a uh, coach in point from Ben Volan of all people. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I stopped clock being right twice a day. Also, I want to give regarding the 2018 Patriots, Sony, Michelle, God bless. He is tearing <laughs> it up with the Rams. He's showing Patriots are all set at running back. They got a couple of picks for Sony. He's making the most of his opportunity. Good for him. I'll always root for that guy. Uh, Dan, you are up. I want to take another shot at uh, Peter King. Please. Uh, and something I noticed in his latest column um, on our old Boston sports media watch board. We used to spend Monday morning skewering his Monday morning quarterback column uh, alongside his predilections for fruity beers and fatty lattes and finger <laughs> wags. We noticed a hint of insidious racism in his observations. It was subtle, but it was there. He, he told Marvin Lewis to get his house in order. But when Andy Reid had his kids running the drug emporium in his home, he, he, he preached <laughs> patience and distance and, you know, understanding. Take all um, the time you need. Yeah, take the time. Yeah, work it out. Breaking Romeo bad Cr Philadelphia, yeah. He made the, 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 the comment that Romeo Crennel um, he was he was surprised that Romeo Cornell had a, had a place in Manhattan because it didn't seem like his type of place. Um, <laughs> there was another time where he, he put together a column about who he would start his franchise. If he was going to start a franchise, he was going to start his team. And, and the, like the first eight coaches and the first eight quarterbacks were all very lily white. <laughs> and I, I don't think to, to be charitable to him, it could be that he is just incredibly oblivious. And yes. And he maybe just he writes about, you know, he, he connects with a certain, <laughs> he connects with more so with, with Andy Reid than he does with other coaches, let's say. But anyways, on, on his Monday morning quarterback this, this week, I was noticing the tone he was striking about the Tampa situation with Antonio Brown. He wrote, uh, Arians took a big gamble with Brown last year. He took a bigger gamble this year after Brown used a phony vaccination card, got suspended for three games by the league, and the Bucks allowed him to stay on the team post-ban. It'd be stunning if Brown got another chance in the league after blowing this golden one and his previous three with the Steelers, Raiders, and Patriots. So Arians took a big gamble and then took a bigger gamble, and, and the, the Bucks allowed Brown to stay. Brown, meanwhile, blew his golden chances with the Bucks, Patriots, Raiders, and Steelers. All the tonality suggests this magnanimity, excuse me, I can't say it, magnanimity of the white authority figures giving multiple chances to the ungrateful black player who bites the hand that feeds him. He's, he's so tone deaf continually. And, and there was nothing in there about an NFL culture that looks the other way at player transgressions so long as that player can help the team win. Nothing on how letting Brown slide time after time contributed to him thinking they had done nothing wrong and nothing on how the time to have compassion and empathy, those were Brady's words after in this press conference, 
for Brown was long ago when getting him the help he might need could have cost the team instead of now when he no longer has any value to the organization. Uh, great points. Uh, Mike on route one, Antonio Brown, that one's on Tom. Uh, your final thoughts. Yeah. Well, first off, iron, thank you for taking the onus off of me for having to speak about, um, Albert Breer, uh, this week, um, <laughs> much appreciated, but our, you know, I, I did see, I did see a distress kind of hand gesture from, from the child. So we should probably look <laughs> into that. Um, yeah. And, and thank you of course to Dan for, um, kind of introducing my topic here this evening and allowing me the springboard to, to trampoline off that as, uh, our friend, Mr. Curran once said, um, off that subject in, in, you know, as we know, Peter King's columns are on Monday and they are now enragingly titled football morning in America, which doesn't trigger me at all. Uh, very, very smooth wording as well. Just rolls right off the tongue. Uh, and unfortunately, the game, of course, took place on Monday night. The, the Steelers game I'm speaking about, of course, uh, with Big Ben uh, took place on Monday night. Uh, so it didn't make his column. But I do have the kind of the outtake um, that that Peter um, Peter wrote. Peter did, in fact, write because he, he was in attendance. Um, and I'm going to refrain from from doing this in his his voice. I don't think I can do that because all I can hear is, hear is him saying, well, Dale in my head and that's that just I don't need that. um so without further ado here we go uh ben roethlisberger drove the 11.2 miles from his palatial 5278 <laughs> square foot home in black coal springs in his 2019 customized ford f-250 with big ben plates and arrived at heinz field for what will in all likelihood be his final home game as a sealer in 17 minutes 17. That number seven has particular resonance for Yinzers, as the locals are known now and forever, just as it does for Yankees fans and another well-known family man and franchise icon, Mickey Mantle. He rolled into the player's parking lot at 447. There it was again, seven. You couldn't escape it even if you wanted to. Due to COVID protocols, I wasn't able to drive to the stadium with Ben as I had hoped. He insisted that he was just concerned for my safety, so I met him in the lot. I was polishing off the last of my permanti sandwich, hold the tomato, extra fries, please, and sipping an Iron City beer. A slightly bitter aftertaste, not unlike the metallic, the metallic tinged tomato, the metallic tinged waters of the Monongahela, Allegheny, and the Ohio, which flow through this sleepy town of 302,446. <laughs> I'll never pretend to understand how two rivers forming into another one means there are three rivers. It's the same water. In order for there to be three rivers, the water should be different. I think the city fathers should address this to avoid confusion. Ben got out of his car with a black watch cap pulled low on his granite block head. He strode up to me and gave me that familiar smile, but didn't speak, and I could sense he was struggling to hold it together. We walked together in the bowels of the stadium, and I asked him if he was going to miss this. He did a double take, perhaps thinking I meant conversation with your humble scribe. Then he realized what I meant. Would he miss this? All this, the process that had become familiar to him these past 18 years, a lot has changed over that time. When he got here, he was a slightly pudgy, big iron kid out of Miami of Ohio. Another note, if I may, the Board of Regents should think about changing the school name and to avoid confusion with the U, despite the former being founded nearly 100 years prior to the latter. In those heady Bill Cower days, Ben was like an unbroken Bronco, the wild horse, not the eponymous football team located in the Rocky Mountains. 
Ben sowed his wild oats from Tahoe to Georgia, and there were some youthful indiscretions, rape accusations, thrown in for good measure. When we got to the locker room and I asked him if he knew how many steps it was from the lot to the locker room, he said he didn't. I told him it was 432 steps, and he asked how I knew, and I told him I have a, I have a pedometer. He said he has a pedometer as well, and it was going off like crazy. Then we shook hands in the air without making contact because of COVID protocols. I wished him luck and watched him step inside the locker room for the final time. On the field, he was like an old fighter getting by on guts and guile and grit, leading the Steelers to a in score, score here victory over the rival Browns who play in Ben's native Ohio. I didn't speak to him after the game because I wanted to remember him as I left him as the quarterback of the classiest organization in American sport, not merely as a civilian like the rest of us. I did see him though, as I followed him back down the tunnel, covering those 432 steps back to back to his car, this time accompanied by his wife and children. As he exited the tunnel, Fans crushed up against the metal barriers, hoping to catch a glimpse of their hero a final time. He carried in his hand a game ball, but I saw him turn his head to a young boy, no more than seven years old, on the other side of the barrier, wearing a Ben jersey. He turned to him. He turned away from him so that the kid wouldn't see his tears, I imagined. But he handed the ball out toward the young lad. As he did, I ran, and the ball hit me in the stomach with a thud like I was Jerome Bettis taking a handoff. It hit me so hard that it left a Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell signature indented in my skin. I continued my run to my rental car where I climbed inside, held the pig skin in my hands and wept. Mike on route one is at in this town one. Dan is at Patriots daily. Scartelli, the purveyor of the sports drunk drawer is at the 15 net.com and Pat Scartell. John is at that John irons. Uh, my name is Mike irons. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, Turn off your radios, as always, and uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, on to the weekend, guys. Thank you, fellas, and talk to you soon. Uh, Rick? And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.